everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Fuck? Where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swakowski. Hey, Pastor Joel. Yep, that's me. Hey, how's it going, Pastor Jonathan? Hey, just killing it. Yeah. Yeah, just ha- having good. a having a great time. You and I have been recording a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, lots of interviews, lots of podcasting, lots of action. Busy, happening. busy time of the year, wrapping up a season with these final two episodes and, you know, trying to prepare all the stuff that's in between seasons. So, yeah, I hear you, man. A lot going on. And it's and it's awesome. It it's, is. It is fun to have such a busy life it is it's all good stuff that we're busy with too totally stuff that i sleep well at night over yes amazing well let's talk about this is the uh topic god's will part four which is the four causes of judgment on sodom whopper of a title Probably our longest. Yep. It's up there with (laughs) God's nature, part six, the non-contradictory answer. (laughs) Okay. There we go. Yeah. Amazing. So what is the background on God's will part four, the four causes of judgment on Sodom, Pastor Joel? Before I give the background, I want to give the, the classic disclaimer here. This is episode four of a five-part series on God's will that will finish up season five. It took everything we've taught up to this point to be able to teach this information decently and in order for the benefit of you, the hearer. If you haven't listened to seasons one through four and what we've already covered in season five, we implore you to do so. So we've learned. You got something? Yeah, I just wanted to say, why are you, why are you listening to this? Yeah, again, I love that. Guys, yes, guys, don't, please, please press pause, go back, listen to earlier episodes. Yeah, go back. They're all, you know what? I do feel really great about this project. We've been all the episodes we've we've done are very re-listenable. If that's a word. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they do they do listen well on repeat. So your intelligence is measured, not by the fact that you can comprehend this episode, but how you respond to being confronted to listen to earlier episodes. Right, right. That is the intelligent move. That's nice. I like that. Okay. So let's be intelligent and let's continue to complain about people making unintelligent decisions. Right. It it isn't about what I know now. It's about what my process is for my unique processes for growing in intelligence, right? For becoming Amazing. smarter, not only in what I know, but in how I make decisions. So love it. Now we're, wow, we're just on a totally different topic now, aren't we? Just- <laughs> There's plenty to talk about. <laughs> yes, there is. So with all that said, yes, those of you who are still listening, hello. Hi, hi, welcome. Yeah, couple reminders. We've seen that God's plan and God's will are two different things. God's plan, also what we would say is his goal or his desire, is to hang out in fellowship with the righteous bride for eternity. 
God's will is the manner in which he accomplishes his plan. Yes. We've seen that God works through individuals, through groups of people, ultimately church and marriage, in order to accomplish his plan. We've seen God makes his decisions through council meetings. We've seen God accomplishes everything he does with a dissolve approach. And we have said that everyone is involved in God's will. Either they have spiritual value and God works through them, or they're on the wrong side of justice and God can use them to accumulate justice for himself. Which immediately raises the question, how do I know if what is happening to and around me is from the enemy or from God? Ooh. Yes. Good. Ooh. Why do you say ooh? Because we've all thought that, right? Totally. Oh. So this episode, The Four Causes of Judgment on Sodom, will help us learn more about how God determines who is on the wrong side of justice by looking at four measures that allow God to completely destroy people and nations, regardless of whether those people and nations say they believe in God or not. Nothing crystallized this issue better than the example of the destruction of Sodom. Amazing. Okay, so... Regardless of what people say, you know, this is a Christian nation or this is God's nation, regardless of what people say. Right. This is what we're talking about is what people do. Right. What actually what they actually believe, not what, what they say they believe. Exactly. Because yeah. be, what you believe is what you do. And, yeah, and it will come out in your action. Your beliefs are proven by your works. Nice. Pastor Joel, how have people been hurt? by this topic in the church or how has this issue caused disunity? Well, the biggest confusion people and nations have is over whether God sees them on the right or wrong side of justice. Meaning that when something bad happens, is it because the enemy is attacking or is it because God is correcting me? So those would be the two sides. The disunity is there is a group of people who's very much going to say, Anything that's bad happens to you, it's it's got to be from the enemy. And then there's another group of people that's going to be like, anything that's bad happening to you is God trying to correct you. Well, that's not the case in every situation. So how do we know? Mm, like people leaving the church, right? Right. Our, our, our membership is decreasing. Oh, it's the enemy's attack. Yeah. No, yeah. people are leaving church and God's correcting you. No, it's the enemy. No, God's correcting. No. Uh, 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 and that. that's a perfect example of why people don't like talking about religion. Yeah. Because you have a debate like that. Nobody on either side of the debate is open to hearing the perspective of the other person. So the conversation goes nowhere. In fact, both sides get more rooted into the beliefs they had before the discussion started, or I should say argument started. And nobody's learned anything new and both people are still confused or both people are still in pride. So that's a good example of disunity. So what do we do though? In the case of an enemy attack, 
you would want to continue doing what you are doing. So if you're being attacked, we're assuming if you're being attacked, it's because what you're doing is right. Because the enemy's job is to take you off the path that God has set before you. The enemy is going to leave you alone if you're already doing something dumb. So if you're being attacked by the enemy, the move for you to make is to persevere. Nice. Meaning to continue on the path that God has set before you. Now, if what's happening to you is an example of God correcting you, that would mean you already are doing something wrong and God is trying to get your attention. The move there is to do the opposite of what you are doing, which is repentance. So real simply, let we're going to get to how can we determine which is, which is happening. But for now, just so you know, if what's happening to you is an enemy attack, the move is to persevere. If what's happening to you is God's correction, the move is to repent. Excellent. That makes a lot of sense. So what does this conflict look like in the church? Pastor Joel, when we talk about these topics, a strict side and a, and a loose side forms around them. Can you explain the strict side for us? The strict side believes prosperity proves who is on the right and wrong side of justice. So we know God did destroy Sodom. So that proves that they were on the wrong side of God. Likewise, if my church is growing in members and we're getting a lot of tithes, then my church is being blessed and we're on the right side of God. You know, the whole nickels and noses. But unfortunately, this side measuring things by prosperity is really measuring things based on short-term and tangible measures. What's happening right now? How much money and people do we have right now? That's what we mean by nickels and noses. These are things, it's money and people. Tangible, quantitative, short-term. Interesting. How do they support that prosperity perspective with the Bible? If I was on this side, I'd use a few verses here for you. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. 2 Corinthians 8.9 says, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Those verses make it sound like if I ask, I ask God, God's going to just give me stuff if I ask him. Mm. Stuff, stuff, stuff being the key word. Mm. The next verse makes it sound like, well, he became poor so I could be rich. Ah. Must mean being rich means I'm on the right side. And then Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you root word of prosperity, mm -hmm. and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Now, again, Jonathan and I believe these verses. They're in the Bible. But we also believe that what they mean and how they're applied is as important, if not more important, than what the words say. So these verses could be used to 
rationalize or justify the prosperity perspective of the strict side of this topic. Mm. So how would you handle an interaction with someone who was throwing those verses at you, was talking about nickels and noses as being the measure for being on the right side of justice or the right side of God? Well, I'd have some questions for them. One would be, well, couldn't the enemy bless someone in order to deceive them? And as we've covered in multiple podcasts before, talking about Jesus's temptation. Oh, it's so good. Satan tried this with Jesus. Right. To take him off course, to deceive him. Yeah, blessing him with yeah. with food and with authority and right. the ability to rule, giving him these tangible rewards. Which would have taken him off the path that the father had set before him. Ooh, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. Another question is, would you want to know if your blessing is from the enemy in order to take you off course? Now, I would hope that this person who shared a bunch of verses with me regarding their or supporting their perspective would allow me to do the same. So here's a few I would go through with them. Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Jesus encourages believer to lay up treasure in heaven, not here on earth. Sounds uh, contradictory to a perspective about having a lot of money being a measure for being on the right side of God. Furthermore, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, no, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So there exposes a contradiction, serving God and serving money, something tangible and quantitative. It is a contradiction. Mark 10, 21 says, sell all that you have and give to the poor. Looks like this man having nothing was actually a measure for him following Christ. Nice. (laughs) And ultimately, I'd love to go through this story that Jesus told. Luke 12, 13 through 21. Often referred to as the parable of the rich fool. Which even the title Uh kind of gives it away, right? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. I don't think this story is going to end well, Pastor Joel. Yeah, I don't know. So verse 13 says, Then one from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Verse 16, then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then 
whose will those things be which you have provided? Verse 21, Jesus sums it up. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We can basically say the parable of the rich fool is a story of somebody that represents the contradiction that Jesus shared. You cannot serve both God and money. This shows why they do, they do not work together. You cannot do both at the same time. Incredible. You know, I was thinking about another verse that, that shows um, prosperity of stuff. Nickels and noses can't be the measure. Or else these these people who say that that's the measure need to also say that Jesus was unsuccessful when he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And all of those people walked away. Because they lost a lot of noses. You're right. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) He lost a lot of noses in that one confrontation. So that was unsuccessful. That was Jesus being on the wrong side of God. Right. Because he lost people. Yeah, that's good. So there's another, there's another one. So if so the strict perspective, if I'm being blessed with things or with stuff, with tangible things, then I'm on the right side of God. I'm on God's side. I'm on God's team. He's for me. If I lose my stuff, if my stuff gets taken away from me, then I'm on the wrong side of of God. I'm not on God's team because God takes things away from people who are not on his team and he gives them stuff. So it's all a measure of stuff being given. That's what the strict perspective believes. Right. Awesome. Well, before we get into the loose perspective, why don't we take a look at our phone lines here? And it looks like we got a call from Crawley, Louisiana. It's Pastor Rich. Hey, Pastor Rich, you are on the line. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Hello, Pastor Jonathan and uh, Pastor Joel. This is Pastor Rich. How y'all doing? Uh, You know, I was caught that God judged Sodom because of homosexuality however that never made sense to me because the sin the men would have been committing was rape if they actually were talking about themselves you know take a look at genesis 19 for yourselves and try to make sense of that you know some scholars believe these men could see they were speaking with angels and actually wanted the angels to have babies with their women so they could make what was called Nephilim, you know, well, huh? but, you know, that would take another show. So, yes, it would. I think we may be looking into that in future seasons. How's the visit going with Pastor Tater? Well, we're actually in Texas, Pastor Joel. What? Yeah, you know, our former church in Texas sent a representative to Crawley when they heard my dad would be visiting me. Apparently, uh, the church there listens to y'all's show. Well, how are you doing being back in Texas? <laughs> well, you know, being being back there in Texas is uh, it's a bit triggering for me. If I hadn't gone through the restoration program, I'd probably be doing a lot worse. Uh, but I, I'm doing fine, actually. Well, can we talk to Pastor Tater? 
no, 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 no. He's actually holding court right now, if you know what I mean. And and it, it looks like things didn't end too well here, and they wanted Pastor Tater to come back. Do you think he will go back? Well, he hasn't decided anything yet, but he sure is enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to hang up and listen. Even though my dad may not say it, I know this is his favorite podcast. God bless you both. Thank you, Pastor Rich, for the call. Man, they're back in Texas. I, yeah. wonder, if the, I wonder if the church in Texas has listened to all of our shows. You know, do you think that we had anything to do with things ending poorly at that church, Pastor Joel? Well, if they didn't know how Pastor Tater had been treated, it may have caused them to ask questions of their senior pastor. I'm glad Pastor Tater seems to be enjoying himself. I wonder if he will finally become senior pastor of his former church. Ooh. The wonderment. The wonderment, yes. Okay. What a banger of an episode. I want to hear the other side of the argument, Pastor Joel. What is the loose side? Well, when we look at the story of Sodom, we see God did rescue Lot. So the loose side is people who believe God never punishes people who are believers. And how have people been hurt by that perspective? These people will miss out on corrections from God. In fact, they actually are resisting God, and doing so will definitely put them on the wrong side of God. Interesting. Pastor Joel, how would you handle an interaction with someone who held this loose perspective? Well, I'd like to share both Proverbs 3.12 or Hebrews 12.6 that state that God does discipline those he loves. Mm. And I'd also like to ask this question. Would you want to know if you are on the wrong side of God? (laughs) I know I would, Pastor Joel. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know I would. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. That was not that would be not something good to find out no. later. No, right? it would not. No, it would not. Let's say that let's say that hypothetically there's gonna be this throne and there's gonna be a judgment, and then you find out that you're not you're on the wrong side of that like at that moment that'd be a bad moment yeah you know like the moment where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess i'd like to be somebody who's doing that on purpose and not because all of a sudden i'm like crap i was wrong my whole life right the the, that you need to bow because the joints of your hips have been (laughs) loosened (laughs) (laughs) because i think that might be a hip hip loosening moment i think so Okay, when you see this going on in the church, the strict side, the loose side, how they've responded to the topic of of Sodom, what are your thoughts, Pastor Joel? I see three different groups of people. There's the group of people I feel sorry for. I have compassion on these people. These people who think they won't get discipline from God. They're missing out on the best correction they will ever get. Mm. 
And worse, they may even be attributing God's loving correction to the enemy, which, like we said earlier, that move would lead to them being on the wrong side of God. If they weren't before that, now they are. There's a group of people I understand why they do what they do. These are the people who equate the immediate effects of what they're experiencing, good or bad, as proof of their righteousness or unrighteousness and where they are relative to justice. They could also be being deceived into the wrong side of God. If they're using these tangible, quantitative measures. And then there's the group of people I'm impressed with. These are people who know that the enemy is about the tangible and the quantitative, while God is focused on the intangible and qualitative. Amazing. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm writing down notes for our, uh, for the Music of Life Church podcast right now. Nice. I got some, I, 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 some whoppers. I got some, I have some discussion questions for you that yes. will be, that will be coming up. Okay. My favorite part though, what is the ultimate answer? The four causes of destruction on Sodom. What are these four causes, Pastor Joel? We've just been so, talking ar yeah. around it but we haven't talked about the causes yet. Right. So I'd love to hear it. Yeah. The ultimate answer, God has four measures for judgment. So these causes of judgment on Sodom were due to measures four measures that God has to judge. And these four measures correspond with the entire person, not just to a nation, but a person as well. Ooh, let's look at the proof. Ezekiel 16, 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and prosperous ease was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So we titled this The Four Causes of Judgment on Sodom. This episode is much less about Sodom than it is about these four causes of judgment. We just said, remember in the intro, the background of this episode is these four measures God uses to bring judgment is made manifest very clearly in the story of Sodom. But here we see the four causes of judgment against Sodom Again, and it not being just about Sodom means you can apply these four causes to any nation, to any group of people, to any single person. Amazing. Whew. That's what it means to say they correspond with the entire person, these four nice. measures for judgment. And that's what you mean when you talk about doctrine. Oh, right. You're right. going boom, way right deeper than like, that's how I context. read this. Absolutely. Yeah. The context is Sodom. For me, that's the way my... My like God created me to just be able to understand and teach doctrine, right? Not that I don't have to work for it and be disciplined in that skill. But when I read a verse like this, I look right past the Sodom line and I go right to what are the causes of this that apply in any situation. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So that's amazing. what we see here in Ezekiel 1649 is these four causes of judgment against Sodom are pride fullness of bread, prosperous ease, which we could also see as idleness of time, 
mm. and not strengthening the poor and needy. So notice God blatantly stated the four causes of judgment against Sodom. It is very plainly stated in this verse in the prophet, the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Anything else stated as a cause of the judgment of Sodom is not in line with the word of God. Mm. Now, I can understand why people misunderstand the reason behind Sodom being judged and destroyed. And that's what we mean, the four causes. You could say these are the four reasons behind Sodom's judgment. If you read the story way back in Genesis, this isn't as obvious as what it's made when you read in Ezekiel. But here we see when you read the entire Bible, you get the whole answer. And here we have the answer from Ezekiel about a story that happened in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. So let's look at these four causes. Yeah. Pride is arrogance. Mm -hmm. It's when an individual or a group of people sees himself or herself as better than everyone else. Pride is when the person can't see or state any way they could be wrong. It is the opposite of humility which is the ability to consider you are wrong. Check out season one, episode 11, if you want to listen to that. Nice. So pride is, you know, when a person can't see and or state any way they could be wrong, it's really the belief by the individual that he is equal to or greater than God and is shown when someone thinks their good fortune is due more to their ability to create than God's ability to create. Fullness of bread. This is not simply or not merely overeating. This also applies to a focus on the flesh and continually filling up the senses, all the senses, not just taste, mm. past what is necessary with tangible things. This cause, fullness of bread, is a graphic example of consumption and waste a focus on the quantitative and tangible, which are effects, which means that this is the opposite of and an abuse of causality. With fullness of bread, resources are literally being consumed with no increase in return. Hmm. I eat, I eat, I eat. Nothing, Nothing's created, created, created in return. In fact, the return that does happen as an effect of fullness of bread actually diminishes. You get worse over time when fullness of bread is a cause that you're under. Got it. Specifically, you can see poor health, shortened life, even increased medical expenses. Mm. Also, in terms of helping others, think what could be accomplished with the resources that are being wasted. Wow. Now, likewise, prosperous ease, or also referred to as idleness of time, means people aren't using their time wisely. How much more could people be helped if we spent our time wisely? Again, another wasteful mentality. And people who are dealing with or under the cause of idleness of time are pursuing comfort instead of growth. Hmm. Now, the final cause, the not strengthening the poor and the need, and the needy as people not helping others who are in need. Like the previous three, this trait is wasteful. 
However, since people are eternal, this is an act of spiritual consumption. This goes deeper than just helping people who are poor and needy. This is not helping people, period. And this is contradictory to having the Spirit of God in you. 1 John 3.17 says, But whoso hath the world's goods, and beholdeth his brother in need, and shutteth up his compassion from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Mm. So actually, these four causes occur several times in the Bible. Jesus was the ultimate example of how to avoid judgment in each of these areas. He was humble. He fasted. He didn't waste time. And he stated that he was sent to the disadvantaged. Right? It's the sick who need a doctor, not the righteous. Nice. On the other side of the spectrum, Solomon was the ultimate example of how even the wisest man who ever lived could violate these four areas. Once again, being a great support for the fact that even the wisest man on the planet still needs wise counsel from other people. Solomon still had blind spots. Solomon had the wisdom of God, but was not God. Nice. He was still a man. Yep. So I want to read through some excerpts from the book of Ecclesiastes. Because we'll see Solomon under the four causes of judgment throughout this book, either directly or through rationalizations that he made. And my encouragement to everybody listening is if you really want to understand the book of Ecclesiastes, read it with these four causes of judgment as a filter through which what Solomon is saying. And it brings the book into high definition. And we have, and we are reading from sad. Whenever I see Ecclesiastes, we're getting, we're getting quotes from the sad, depressed, wisest man who ever lived. Yeah. Who's yeah. Just (laughs) drained and and still just trying to rationalize the, the crappy feelings of his life. He's out of, he's out of awesome juice and he's really trying hard to get it back. In one step. Yeah, right. <laughs> so let's start with Ecclesiastes 1, verse 18. It says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Well, there you go. That's right at the heart of Solomon, right? I'm so wise and so smart, but it's only led to my demise and my sadness. Mm. But that verse is an example of how Solomon repeatedly states everything is pointless. And it's unprofitable to try to understand. He justified idleness, which is a mental issue. Next, if you look at the entirety of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, you'll see Solomon using the entire chapter, attempting to prove that he has more than anyone and knows more than anyone. Now, it's not just about being smart and having a lot. It's in contrast and in comparison to everybody else, which is a pride issue. Sure. Pride is an emotional issue because it really is a person trying to feel better 
about themselves at everyone else's expense. I don't know how to feel good myself. So I feel better by feeling better than everyone else. Mm. So we see mental issue from idleness, emotional issue from pride. Next, look at Ecclesiastes 2.24. This one verse we see, it says, there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. Here we see Solomon looking to the fullness of bread for happiness, which is a physical issue. Solomon repeated this conclusion several times. And worse, more a physical issue, Solomon built high places, physical idols to other gods looking for blessings from those idols and those other gods. Again, physical. And finally, check out Ecclesiastes 5, 8 through 9. It says, if thou seest the oppression of the poor and the violent taking away of justice and righteousness in a province, marvel not at the matter. For one higher than the high regardeth, and there are higher than they. Moreover, the profit of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. Solomon actually justified that it was not his job to help the poor and the needy. Not strengthening the poor and the needy is a spiritual issue. Again, because it's really about not helping people. Not helping souls. Souls. Yeah. Ah, nice. Because ultimately, it's it's really simple to help somebody with a physical issue. Poor and needy. Feed them give them the money they need to pay their bills, whatever, in hopes that that hurdle that you've helped them jump over is no longer a distraction so they can focus on the things of God, the things of the spirit. Right. It's 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 strengthening the poor and needy. Strengthening. It's yes. not feeding. Enabling. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's not feeding. It's not giving no. them stuff. It's how is this strengthening right. the poor and needy? How is this Lifting helping- them up? Right, right, and helping them bear yes. this burden going forward. Maybe bear the burdens of being poor and needy themselves. Yeah. So their poor, their poverty and their needs are no longer causing them to be distracted from the spiritual issues that they should be focused on, including their soul. So that's why, again, the not strengthening the poor and needy. Thanks for emphasizing the strengthening half strengthening. of that. So it's really yes. conjunctive, right? Not yes. strengthening the poor and needy. It is a spiritual yes. issue. Yes. So we see in Ecclesiastes and just those few excerpts I, I pulled out of that book, you can see Solomon's big issue is he's he has embraced or fallen under the four causes of judgment on Sodom himself. And he's rationalizing all four of them to try to get the feelings he's looking for. Mm. We have another example, the ultimate example of how to reverse judgment, to reverse this same judgment that Sodom experienced. After Jonah prophesied, look at Nineveh's response from Jonah chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. And the people of Nineveh believed God 
and they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. And the tidings reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he made a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let them be covered with sackcloth, both man and beast, and let them cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knoweth? whether God will not turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. In verse 10, God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil which he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. Epic story. Oh, man. We what look a at, turnaround. Oh, no kidding, right? Woo. I'd like to meet this king. Yeah, dude. Wow. We see four things happened. One, they humbled themselves. Two, they fasted. Three, they prayed. And four, they turned from the violence in their hands. Turned towards what? Likely towards strengthening the poor and the needy. Mm. Now, we have a similar exhortation from God that took place after Nineveh to his own people in 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is a verse I know you love, has meant a lot to you, Pastor Jonathan. Yes. I call it the, it, I call it the unity verse. The unity oh, verse. Oh, God, yes. please give us unity. Yeah. People crying out and pastor me. Unity, yep. Please, God, bring us unity. Heal our land. Yep. Please. And I think of it as revival, the revival verse. The this revival is, verse. This is the verse I think of when people cry out the same emphatic proclamations yes. that you said about unity, but about revival. Yes. Uh, perfect. And here it is. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Mm. Epic, epic, epic. Convicting, convicting, convicting. No kidding. So whose fault is it when we don't have unity? Uh, or revival. Who, yeah, right? So the Acts Church, too, gives the answer. The Acts Church did the opposite of the four causes of judgment on Sodom. Acts 2, 42 through 47. We've covered this at length in these podcast episodes. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and the prayers. And now we get to hear verses 43 through 47 that proclaim and show us all the great things we all want. Right. Fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All that believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all according as any man had need. And day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple, breaking bread at home, they took their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to them day by day those that were saved. 
incredible. Mm-hmm. Look at how many things these four causes of judgment were nailed in here. God looks at the whole person, right? When he looks at you, Pastor Jonathan, he's looking at the whole person, mentally, right. emotionally, physically, spiritually. He looks at groups of people the same way. He looks at churches the same way. He looks at the entire church the same way. He looks at nations the same way. So these four causes of church dissolve the issues that brought judgment on Sodom. Remember the four causes of judgment on Sodom. We had pride, an emotional issue. Well, fellowship, social intercourse, this covenantal relationship we have with people in the church. Someone in pride is not going to be able to have fellowship with somebody. That's a great point. Someone in fellowship with God and with another person who's in fellowship with God is going to have to be vulnerable enough to open up to recognize I am in need and I need your help. Yeah. And you want someone to speak into your life. So you are looking for a different perspective or another perspective in your life. And, and also is going to have the perspective we learned from Philippians 2, which is to esteem others as better than us. Awesome. The second cause, fullness of bread. This is the physical cause, the breaking of bread. We see this in they take their food with gladness and singleness of heart. This is the way we're meant to eat with one another. Mm-hmm. Where the eating itself is not just about the sen- the sensation I get from the taste of the bread. It's not about the physical itself. It's a hurdle. Remember what we learned about the breaking of bread causes that is a, that it is meant to help us grow in the other three causes. I love that because it's, you know, the fullness of bread versus the breaking of bread. Right. You know, like the breaking yeah. of bread means that you're sharing Right. Yeah. You're sharing, you're sharing your physical needs versus to fill yourself. I just see stuff and someone just stuff in their face. Right. And not sharing. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh, right. You know, no, no, we no, do no, that no, no, isolated. No, no. Exactly. Isolating. Oh, that's yeah. a great, that that's a great picture as well. To break bread. You are with other people. Right. You can do fullness of bread on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just a, an endeavor of trying to, fulfill all of my senses, my five physical senses, right? Yeah. The third cause, prosperous ease or idleness of time. We saw this was a mental issue and the apostles doctrine covers that. And remember the apostles doctrine, although it is a mental cause, it is not just about learning stuff. It's also about embracing and growing and handling things in the way, in the manner in which God would want us to which if I have the apostles doctrine and I'm living it out, I will be using my time well, or at the very least, I won't be wasting time. And then the fourth cause, the not strengthening the poor and needy. Again, really, it's about strengthening people. We see the spiritual cause of the church is prayer. We pray for one another, of course, but you can also see through verses 43 through 47 in Acts chapter 2, so much of what they're sharing and experiencing in the Acts church was the needs of people being strengthened through the sharing that was happening and having all things in common and believing together. And it's mm-hmm. notice a, a spiritual unity that's happening. 
Again, not strengthening the poor and needy being a spiritual issue. Look at this. All that believed were together and had all things in common. The belief is the cause of unity. That's the spiritual cause. And then, of course, prayer would be like if we're praying for one another, for the things of God, spiritually, we're going to be strengthening one another. And the needs and the poverty we have will be dissolved. We're bringing our cares to God. So do you see how this topic of the four causes of judgment on Sodom is in line with God's will? Mm. Again, with how he accomplishes his plan. So we did over this episode. Thanks for staying tuned in with us. We learned more about how God determines who is on the wrong side of justice by looking at four measures that allow God to bring judgment on people on groups of people, on individuals, on nations, regardless of whether or not those people say they believe in God. Nice. So some tips for applying this topic. Well, real simple, work on applying the causes of church to your life and help others do the same. Listen to the season four episodes that we covered Acts 242, and we, we did an entire episode on each of the four causes of, of church. If you need a refresher on what those mean and how to apply those. But this, being the church that God intended us to be, intends us to be, and needs for us to be in order to be married to his son, will help us do the opposite of the four causes of judgment on Sodom. What's so cool about these dissolve approaches is I don't have to sit and try to figure out, well, how am I not going to be in pride? How am I not going to worry? Like, I don't, I don't want to do fullness of bread. I don't want to be idle with my time. I don't want to be one of these people who's not strengthening the poor and needy. That's a solve approach, right? I'm going at the, at the issue head on. Mm -hmm. If I just focus on these four causes of church, really trying to bring a profitable, being a profitable part of this group of people by embracing the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer, by default, I won't be under the causes of judgment on Sodom. Awesome. So two final questions for you, Pastor Jonathan, before we end here. How is America doing with the four causes of judgment on Sodom. Hmm. Ooh, maybe even a, a more specific question that may help flush that, that bigger question out. Was the COVID outbreak from God or from the enemy? Thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.